Welcome to the Conscious Healing Podcast with Mona Loring. This is a show that marries the mystical with the practical to help you with your spiritual healing. Whether you're newly curious about what's behind the veil or you're well into your spiritual journey, this show offers a grounded exploration into all you've been seeking. Some of you know that I'm shamanically trained, so in this episode, I wanted to open you up to the world of shamanism. To start, I looked at the definition of shamanism on Wikipedia because I was just curious what it said, and this is what it said. It is a religious practice that involves a practitioner, a shaman, who is believed to interact with a spirit world through altered states of consciousness, such as trance. The goal of this is usually to direct these spirits or spiritual energies into the physical world for healing or some other purpose. So I'm glad I looked this up because yes, it brings some good points up and I understand that it can't be a perfect definition of shamanism because there's just so much to it. But I want to break down what I feel like is correct and some points that aren't correct. Yes, shamans interact with the spirit world, but it's much more than working in a trance state. It's about lifting a veil and working with the non-ordinary world, which is you're always around a non-ordinary world too. There are spirits around you, whether you choose to believe it or not. There's energy around you that you can't see. This is all non-ordinary world. Ordinary world is what you see with your eyes that you know is definitely in front of you that you can feel with your senses as a human. So my state of consciousness when I practice is altered at times, but I'm also very easily able to go in and out of it. So I'm not in this really crazy trance state. I don't do plant medicine when I'm doing my healings on people. So I wanted to clear that up because if you were to just look up the definition, it seems kind of uh, skewed, I should say. Second and way more importantly, shamanism is not a religious practice. It is not a religion. It is very important to know that if you practice a religion or if you have a specific belief system already, then you still can practice shamanically. It goes hand in hand with whoever you are, whatever you choose to believe and practice. That in general is my form of spirituality that I practice myself and teach. You can have any other belief system. I have friends that are Jewish and Christian and Catholic that practice shamanism, that are mediums. It's it's all the same. We're all human, no matter what our religious beliefs may be or non-religious beliefs may be, right? So the practice of working with shamanism, which is truly just bringing in non-ordinary reality, working with spirit, and also very much so about working with the earth, which is hugely missing from this definition, I might add. Uh, I think that it's really crucial to know you don't have to be anybody specific to practice spirituality. And obviously, if that means you can practice spirituality with anything, you can definitely practice shamanism too. So my general definition of shamanism, I thought about this, and it would be the practice of bringing earth and nature together with non-ordinary reality to create shifts in energy around a person's mind, body, and spirit. Shamanism is also based around gratitude and the honoring of your ancestors, nature, and spirits. I know for many of you, shamanic work might be difficult to grasp, so I really hope you stick with this episode because it's truly a beautiful premise and practice, and you would probably be surprised that what you already do in your life can be based on some shamanic roots too. Some examples of this would be 
Simple ceremonies like holding hands and saying what you're grateful for before you start dinner. That started shamanically. That was a form of showing gratitude for material things that you have. Even using sage, I bet so many of you listening use sage or at least have incense in your home to clear or uplift energy, make things smell better. That's a form of clearing energy. And even meditating or doing yoga daily is a form of shamanic practice too. So don't just assume that this is going to be a really out there episode. There are some things that are going to be really different for you if you're really new to this, but we're really trying to ease up on confusing you and going too fast into this. I I definitely plan on exploring shamanism a little bit more um, and making it more accessible to you to understand and even perhaps try in some way for yourself. But with this interview today, I just want you to give it a listen and try to follow along. And again, just see what you take from it with any episode I have that might be something that's a little bit deeper, something you're not quite used to, it's a little harder to grasp. I found that as I was studying really out there concepts, which just wait till I get a little bit more out there for you, but when I was studying those things and I would I would absorb what I could for where I was at at that time, you know? And then when I would go back and study it more or read a book again the second time, I would catch things that I might have missed the first time. So you don't have to take everything in and understand everything at once. Just ease yourself into it. So I want to tell you a little bit about my story finding shamanism. It all started when I was on my journey to discover what I was meant to do in the spiritual world. This was years after I had already been quite aware of my abilities, but it had come to a point where I just kept going further, quicker and quicker, and my hunger for information was crazy voracious. In fact, I had so many teachers that I was meeting because I was asking for it, right? If you ask the universe for something, they they will come. If you ask for the teacher, she or he shall appear is a saying that they have. And um, they have, I don't know who has it, but somebody has it. And, you know, my abilities were opening up so greatly at this time. And so I just knew that I had a calling. I knew that something was about to happen. And I had no idea what. I would talk to the spiritual teachers I'd meet that were, you know, teachers in mediumship that would further me along, psychic teachers. Um, I, I was exploring a lot of mind, body, and health, basically alternative health. I was learning a lot about acupuncture through my acupuncturist. She's incredible. And I was learning a lot about alternative medicines and I knew none of that was for me. I knew there was a reason and I knew that there was going to be a foundation to what I did where I needed to know all of that because at the end of the day, I knew I was called to somehow find a way to help people when they're going through a hard time, especially with depression and anxiety. But I didn't know why I was having this calling because it felt like so much more than just a hobby. And it felt like oddly, you know, am I supposed to switch my career path to something spiritual? Like, that's weird. I'm a publicist. I'm really happy as a publicist. I love being a publicist. I didn't know what was going on. So I was linked up with an amazing psychic astrologist, Mitra Rabar. And one January night, she had an intimate prayer circle manifesting for the new year. 
And during this meditation, my sister was there with me, actually. We were meditating, searching for answers. And I kept asking to be shown what I'm supposed to do next. And then boom, that was it. Spirit gave me a direct answer. Not one that I would have in a million years (laughs) assumed I would get. Spirit said shamanism. And once the meditation ended, I immediately felt relief to get an answer. But then I thought, wait, shamanism? What's that exactly? I mean, I know what it is, but aren't shamans ancient medicine men and women? Aren't they indigenous to their culture? Between work and family, there is no way that I can go out of the country and train with a shaman. And who would even have me? What is a shaman exactly? And I started to go backwards. What does a shaman even do? I knew as soon as I left the prayer circle that I was going to head over to Google and get those answers that I needed, which makes me laugh because (laughs) I love the quote that I've seen and posted on Instagram that says just that. It says something like, meditation, where to go when Google doesn't have the answer, but I was doing just the opposite there. So I don't know. That's a funny thing to mention. So long story short, I did Google it, and there are not many shamans around that worked for what I wanted and needed, let me tell you. For those of you who don't know, I'm in the Los Angeles area. I live in the suburbs of Los Angeles. So probably deeper in LA, I would have much more options, but I was looking for someone a little closer my way. There was one in Topanga Canyon that I reached out to who ignored my messages, And I came to learn, I always laugh thinking about it, that she's actually pretty important. (laughs) She's an important shamanic thought leader and author, and she'd probably never be able to train me with how busy she is, and she probably doesn't even do that sort of thing anymore. The others that I found were in Mill Valley up in Northern California. And then I also had found a very expensive school called The Four Winds, founded by a great shamanic teacher, Alberto Viotto. And... Uh, some sort of training in a facility. Um, I think it was somewhere near Joshua Tree, I believe. But that would mean that I would have to leave my family and go work to train. And again, that was so not an option for me in my life at that point. So I decided I have to leave this in the hands of spirit. If it was truly meant for me to shamanically train, it would happen one way or another, right? So what do you know? A week later, I found this app that I heard about online called Meetup. And if you don't know what app that is, by the way, it lists different events and groups where like-minded people can come together and either learn or meet about like a common topic. So I highly recommend that if you're ever interested in any types of groups near you that might have something going on uh, that you can... These days uh, with COVID, it's probably all online. But it it gives you a pretty cool community option if you're looking for people like that that are like-minded. But would you believe that there was one shamanic entry and the one posting was not even that far from where I live? It was meant to be, and I totally knew this was it. I went to the meetup and it felt completely right to me. And the rest, at least for now, is history. I ended up starting my training with this lovely woman who led me to meet my teachers who are up in Mount Shasta, and I've been training in Peruvian shamanism ever since.
My guest today is Joy Brew, the woman that I found from the meetup in my story. I found Joy's Shamanic Ways and Wisdom monthly meetup and we have become dear friends ever since. Joy is a women's wisdom coach, energetic healer, and an initiated shamanic mesa carrier. She specializes in transformation through life's transitions by combining a unique method of modern life coaching and energetic healing modalities with ancient shamanic healing and wisdom. I personally love Joy's practical and relaxed approach to shamanic work and have loved all of my experiences with her. I also want to say that I apologize for the sound on the interview you're going to hear because on my end, it's a little bit quieter. It's the first time that I was using my new mic on a phone interview, and I learned my lesson on how to do that. But Joy's going to sound louder than me, and you are going to pick up a lot of sensitivity of noise on her end from her mic. But it's such a terrific interview. I really hope you don't mind the lack of pure quality of sound. And I hope you stick with us to the end because the conversation gets better and better. And Joy even shares a couple of cool tips on what you can do shamanically on your own. Hi, Joy. I'm excited for us to have this chat. Hi, Mona. I am so excited to be here. I'm honored that you reached out to me. Thank you so much for letting me share a little bit about what I do in shamanism. (laughs) Truly my honor. And before we started this interview, I've already told the listeners about our story of how we've met. So I'm really excited for everyone to get to hear a little bit about you and get to your beautiful soul and your amazing work that you do. So let's dive in. Let's dive into the story on your shamanic journey. Can you share with us how you personally found shamanism in your life? And tell us about how it led to your healing and how you became a shamanic practitioner. Um, So it it is a really interesting story. A lot of people are kind of like, what? When I tell them the story, (laughs) Um, I'm really no different than most, you know, any woman um, or person. And I never would have thought I was, I would be a shamanic practitioner, but Um, I was in a very toxic relationship uh, with my marriage. I was, you know, the typical suburban housewife. I had a lot of things to be grateful for. So first, I want to just kind of emphasize that I had a gorgeous home. I had a husband who provided. I had four beautiful children. But inside, I was dying. It was a really um, slow, painful process, kind of like a a cancer that just systemically starts to feed off of you until one day you just wake up and you realize you're like the walking dead. And I felt like I was constantly swimming upstream. I was doing everything that people told me I needed to do to change my life because it wasn't working. I was praying. I was doing vision boards. I was doing mantras. I was doing all of those things and nothing was Um, helping me. I was very overweight. I had some physical issues and I was medicated on a lot of antidepressants and anxiety medication. And I'd been in therapy for more than I could remember. In fact, I'd been in so much therapy, I probably could have uh, psychoanalyzed myself because I knew all the reasons why my life was not working for me, but nothing was changing. Nothing. Yeah. And one day I'm sitting in 
um, my therapist office. He's like my third therapist over, you know, 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. And he mentions to me that he's a shaman. And I'm like, okay, that's really weird. <laughs> I didn't know anything about shamanism. I mean, the, what, the vision that came to my mind was like, um, you know, somebody dancing around the fire with a rattle and, you know, the kind right. of things that you might see on TV, the stereotypical sort of stuff. Exactly. And so here's this white guy, this elderly white guy, just no ordinary, you know, a marriage family therapist and he tells me he's a shaman so I'm I'm really intrigued and he says you know do you want me to do some energy work on you and I go sure why not <laughs> and he waves his hands around he starts balancing my chakras and I'm thinking okay this is super kooky <laughs> <laughs> and I leave but when I leave there's this little underlying thought something's different but I didn't know what it was. And so I just, you know, go home and go back to my life. And, you know, a couple days go by and I realized I hadn't taken any of my antidepressants. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I start panicking because if I didn't take my antidepressants, I, my, my whole world starts falling apart. I can't function. I start having anxiety attacks. And I was perfectly fine. So I thought, whoa, this is weird. And I connect the dots, right? I connect the dots between my therapy session right. and the energy work. And so I go another couple of days and I go a whole week and I go back to him and I say, hey, you know, can you do that thing you did? <laughs> and he does it again. And I'm going to tell you, and I don't recommend this, that it's going to happen to everybody, but I never took another antidepressant after that. Wow. And the crazy thing is, is that the antidepressants that I was on, when I had been trying to wean myself off of them, I couldn't. I just started tanking. Right. And that got my attention. And so I went back to him every week and I said, I want to know more. I started reading all of these books and started, you know, just kind of doing energy work with him. And months went by and my life started changing. And it really wasn't so much that my life started changing, but I started changing. I started finding ways to set those boundaries in a toxic relationship that, that weren't working for me before. And so I just dived into this. I wanted to know more about energy healing. I wanted to know about shamanic practicing. And I started walking this path that he was teaching. And it is a Andean tradition, um, but for the most part, shamanism is really just stepping into a sacred world of the unseen and starting to change who you are at a completely different level than your mental emotional mind and so that is how I discovered shamanism <laughs> I love it yeah I love that story and so tell us about how you after discovering this how it led you into becoming a shamanic practitioner yourself, because I love that story too. Yeah. So I, I was just so enthralled with it. He brought his teacher, Dr. Christina Donnell with the um, Winds of Chains Association out. And I went through a two-year personal uh, training program 
with him that every we met every few months and we just started diving into this and the foundation of my shamanic practice is what they call the Inca mystery teachings um, this was actually uh, kind of synthesized by Alberto Villaldo with the um, four winds association and it's a beautiful map that kind of helps you navigate um, the shamanic world. Now, there's a lot of wonderful shamanic um, traditions out there. And I, I kind of just want to back up a minute because I'm really using the word, the word shamanism a little bit loosely. Okay. Traditionally, shamans are really um, medicine people uh, originating in Siberia. A lot of times, um, especially in my tradition, um, they believe shaman shamans are more people who might use some kind of a plant medicine or something along that lines to get into an altered state of reality. But um, one of the reasons why I like to use the word shamanism because it does let people know that, hey, this is a person who's working outside the realm of ordinary reality. Right. And that is really what it's all about. It, a shamanic practice is one that sort of brings you into yourself and you begin to connect to the natural animistic world where there's a lot of power. And you use certain things, um, symbolic ways, and not necessarily plant medicine, but rattling, drumming, things that take your brain into a theta state, which is where you can access the sacred world uh, of the spiritual realm. And so I do want to kind of emphasize that, that this is not necessarily what one might think, but it is a practice that allows you to open up that veil between the ordinary world, the re real world that we live in, the mental, uh, emotional mind, and step into a more sacred place where you can connect to the essence of who you are. You can t connect deeply to that spiritual part of you but not be defined by some kind of a religion or dogma um, you can define it the way it works best for you and that's one of the things that I want to always share with people that they have this opportunity to be their own shaman their own yogi their own guru and you know kind of taking the things that resonate and work with them so that they can translate it into their own world uh, making it practical, practical shamanic practice for modern day times. Yes, that's what this is all about. I love it. <laughs> yes. A uh, beautiful thing my teacher always used to tell me is we don't get caught up in form. Um, and I think that that is a really, no matter what kind of practice you have, you want to keep that in mind because you're, you you want to follow your heart. You want to follow your intuition. And that's going to lead you to whatever it is that you need at that time in your life. So um, we do have a lot of foundational pieces in a shamanic practice that help you jumpstart into the non-ordinary reality. But after that, it's pure energy. Right. It's formless. So you get to bring the form into that formless. Beautiful. So how so I, I still feel like I want you to tell people how you've been practicing now as I, I shouldn't say practicing as oh, a practitioner, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, so tell us about your practice and, and how it led to you actually opening up your own practice and, and doing um, yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I apologize. I have what no, I sometimes you gave call. So much. <laughs> I love everything that you said. It's, it's so 
it's wonderful foundational information for everyone. It's beautiful. So I love that you just said that, but tell us about you. Okay. Uh, yeah, I have a hummingbird personality. So sometimes I flit to, from one thought to another. But um, yeah, so I, I started the practice. And I just found that as I started doing a lot of these, um, you know, exercises and experiential processes that I was learning along the way, my life was changing. And it wasn't so much, as I mentioned earlier, that um, people around me were changing, it was me that was changing. And I found some really solid practices and processes that helped me navigate a very difficult situation, uh, getting out of my toxic relationship, but not just getting out of it, but leaving it from a place of love and caring and accepting um, him for who he was and that we just weren't in vibrational alignment and navigating through um you know, two daughters that had heroin addictions because he was an alcoholic addict as well. And really not, and not diving back into all those antidepressants. Mm -hmm. uh, so the more that I saw that my life was changing, the more I was like, if I can do this, anybody can do this. And so I started just, you know, I started by balancing people's chakras because first it was like, this is a really cool thing to do. <laughs> and knowing how much it helped me at the time, like just a simple weekly energetic kind of clearing and how my life was changing. So I would start doing that for other people. And then I just got into it and um, I ended up getting into becoming a life coach, uh, specializing in women's transitions, because as I mentioned, I felt that if I can do this, anybody can do this. And it doesn't have to be hard. It can be easy, but it's important to have the support and to have the processes in, in uh, place and the energy clearing, the energy healing. This is the thing that is the basis of everything. You cannot change at the level at, thing, at which things were created at. And most of the time, that's what we try to do. We try to analyze things. We try to blame. We, we don't take responsibility. And we live from a world of cause and effect. And a shaman is one who lives from a world of perception. That if we're not, that if we change our perception and we change our energy field, our energy bodies, then that change will ripple outward and things around our lives will start changing. Which and I have to say, just not to interrupt you, I'm sorry, but I love that you just brought that up. And I think that I'm so big on the law of attraction and manifestation. And I feel like that goes so hand in hand with the shamanic principle of perception, right? Where when you are visualizing that, that is what you create. It does. And actually, I want to just kind of take that to a different level because law of attraction is great. Uh, let me tell you, when The Secret came out, <laughs> that, that's all I did. I listened to it 24 hours a day. I was like huge into personal development. But what I started to find out is it's really more of it's it's bigger than law of attraction. Mm -hmm. It's law of creation. Yeah, it's understanding that you have the potentiality to create and how how do we do that you go into the now you the unseen spiritual realm and you access pure energy 
And the really, in my opinion, the only way you can do that is by stepping into that realm. It's not about like, like I mentioned before, I was doing law of attraction. I was praying. I was visualizing. I was doing mantras. I was doing vision boards, but I couldn't make that shift. Yes. And the, the reason why I couldn't make that shift was because what was within my energy field that I couldn't see, that I couldn't access was not in alignment with what I wanted. Yes. So you can have law of attraction, but if you've got things in your energy field, those are like, uh, it's, you know, it's like a magnet. And mm -hmm. that's when you start to receive, no matter what you're doing, you're doing something at a particular mental, emotional level and things aren't shifting and you think I'm doing everything right. It's because the energy vibration that you're holding within your energy fields aren't in alignment with that. And in order to change, we have to do the energy work. And we can't be in two vibrational places at once. Right. We can't go into our darkness and then try to shift it to a place of light, which is why the, the taking that outside into altars and energy healing is really what's going to make the very biggest shift for people. And again, I'm not, I, I'm going to drive this point home through throughout this entire thing because it's, it's so much deeper than just putting up a vision board and lighting a candle right. and say, this is what I want. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And I'm glad you said that. And I definitely plan on having an episode about manifestation because that is what is, um, I, I don't want to say wrong, but incorrectly portrayed to people when you're talking about uh, manifestation. And I'm so glad you're correcting it by choosing the word creation because that's yeah. exactly right. And yeah. it's sort of like, oh, yeah, just imagine what you want and believe that you can have it. And it's la, 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 you know, and it's like, no, there you got to dig deep and you got to get your vibrations to where what you want to happen is equal to where you're at. And then you will magnetically bring that towards you. And it, there's so much to it that people don't explain because it is kind of hard to really put into words at times. So I understand why people can't really dive into explaining that. But I definitely want to try. And I love that you're bringing this up because you're giving such a great foundation to the listeners about what that looks like. So, yeah. Well, let me and, and well, let me just kind of interject here for a second, because I think this is going to bring it back to the question that you had. This is why my shamanic path works so well is because it was a map. So we have these different directions. We had the south, we had the west, we had the north, we had the east. But it was a map that I could follow, that my mental mind could follow and could kind of allow me to get away from the fears I had of going into the shadows. And one of the things that we oftentimes is we, we get very much stuck in our physical reality and our mental, emotional reality. And in my shamanic practice, we use this map to sort of navigate our hum the human parts of ourselves. And we, we don't want to, like, ignore it. Everybody says, oh, like, you know, when I let this go, when I do this, when I do that, things will be better. But really, it is about embracing all the aspects of ourselves. So right. the shamanic wheel allows us to navigate these aspects of ourselves, utilizing different processes and symbolic pieces on altars so that 
uh, a really good example is the jaguar. So the jaguar is a really powerful animal ally in a shamanic practice and um, in indigenous cultures. You know, it's, it's this animal that can walk through the jungle, doesn't have any animals, and can see in the dark. So when I need courage, I, I don't sit there and go, oh, I want to be brave, I want to be brave. I go to my jaguar because for me, the jaguar is the symbol of that courage. And now all of a sudden, I can kind of access that part of me that is the jaguar, but yet I'm not doing it through my mental, emotional mind. And that's where we oftentimes get stuck in our Western world. We're trying to do everything from the mental, emotional mind because that's what we were shown. We were shown that, that if you see it, it's real. If you can't see it, it's not real. Right. And so symbology, ritual, ceremony, these are really big items in a shamanic practice because they do allow you to transcend from that emotional, mental mind and um, get, beyond, get into the, wor- the place where you can access creation energy and make changes in your life. So let me bring you back to a couple points just for people who are obviously brand new to this concept. So First of all, can you explain a little bit more about the wheel? And then can you explain a little bit more about spirit animals? And like you said, the jaguar, um, you know, how, how does someone, um, let's, go, let's go into the spirit animal first, because we can go back to the wheel. I think that might be a little easier for them to follow along, but I really want to explain the spirit animal concept. So when you say you work with a jaguar, what does that look like? How do you come to a point where you... You know, obviously we went through this and it was an incredible experience for me when I first got my Jaguar. But, you know, how how do you suggest someone first initiate working with a spirit animal? And what does that necessarily even mean? Because that was something I, I never really understood when I would hear things like that's my spirit animal. And, you know, people use it in pop culture ways, too, which is Kanye <laughs> West is my spirit animal. Oh, gosh. But, you know, yeah, like that. But, you know. Truly, what does that mean in, in a shamanic practice? Can you kind of take people from the very beginning when they're just like, huh, what does this all mean? Yes, absolutely. So one of the first things that um, you we do um, in is we want to do a shamanic journey. Now, the beautiful thing about a shamanic journey is you're using a drum or a rattle. And what that does is it, uh, it a fast drum, which anybody can access a shamanic journeying music on YouTube or something along that lines. It, it is a, a beat that takes your brain into a theta state. Now, that is highly important in a shamanic practice. You, you use different ways of getting your brain into a theta state because that's where you're accessing that spiritual realm, that place that unseen world. Now, for most of us, we're like, what does that mean? So we don't get caught up in the science behind it so much as getting caught up as we go to the symbology of it. Basically, if you're in a theta state, you're sort of pulling away that veil and accessing that part of you that is eternal. It's pure energy, you know, always has been, always will be. So shamanic journeying, rattling is the best way to start. And then you set an intention. Um, I also believe that you kind of create this sacred space. You maybe imagine there's a bubble around you so that you're in a place that you feel safe and you can let your guard down, be a little vulnerable and be open to receive. 
So then you set your intention. I want to find a spiritual animal. And you go and you journey. And when you meet this animal, it is more than just imagination. So that's another thing I want to kind of talk about. A lot of people think, well, I'm just imagining it. But really, in any kind of a spiritual practice, imagination and intention are the most powerful things that you can have. Imagination is that jumping off point that allows you to start to move into that unseen world. And so if you're journeying and it seems like you're just imagining it, you might start off imagining it, but then you might also see that um, I'm imagining a path and I want to go down this path, but yet I can't seem to. I get pulled down another path because down that path is where you might imagine your, you might find your spiritual animal. And a couple of things I want to also say too, because people go, well, I don't see, you know, I'm not clairvoyant. I'm not mm-hmm. clairsentient. Right. I got caught up in that too because people say, oh, I see this, I see that. And I'm like, well, what am I doing? I'm not doing anything. You know, I'm not seeing anything. So I must not have that ability. But that's not true. We all do, but we're going to, it's going to be different and unique to each of us. So for me, most of the time, it's kind of like I have a memory, but I'm not sure where it's not a real memory. It just, it's a thought that just sort of pops in my head. And, and that's where you kind of focus on. It's the first thing. Um, so spirit animals and power animals, animal allies, there's so many different words. They really just are the symbolic representations of, uh, of a way of being. And, you, I mean, look at, look at football teams and, and sports teams. They all have these mascots, right? Yes. So, and they know that, hey, oh, my gosh, you know, we're the bears and we're going to be strong and, you know, woo. it's no different. We're using, using these symbolic archetypes to allow us to access parts of ourselves that if we just try to do it with our mind or imagination, we might not be able to get to that because we get stuck by, oh, this isn't really real or it's not me. I've never been courageous before. And that's one of the reasons why I think animal allies are really, um, you know, really uh, helpful in our everyday lives. Now, I know it's going to be kind of kooky if I'm going to walk into, uh, you know, something, you know, conversation with a heated conversation with somebody that I have and I'm thinking, hey, I brought my Jaguar along. You know, they're going to go, what? They're going to they're, they're gonna ship me off to Looney Tunes so fast, <laughs> Looney Farm. But. I know that if I just say, oh, I have my Jaguar here, it, it then it sort of takes it outside of myself. It's not joy that's being courageous. It's my Jaguar that's helping me be courageous. And I can't explain how that works, but I'm just going to tell you it does. And I know you know it works. And everybody else that I've said, this is really kooky, but it works. And they try it and they see that it works. It's sort of like what I want to kind of explain to the listeners is that it's, I'm going to use one example of when I journeyed with you, actually, and I got my snake. And I remember, first of all, I don't like snakes. And I thought it was so ironic that one of my spirit, spirit animals would be um, <laughs> a snake, which I could go on about spirit animals that are not my favorite animals in the world that happen. Well, to and I, I have to say that probably the reason is, is because the, the um, attributes of the serpent in a spe- are probably things that you were not embracing 
And yeah. so the snake is there to help you. It's kind of like a shadow exactly. part of you that says, exactly. yeah. And that's what I'm getting at is that, you know, you go through the journey and you, you know, you walk through whatever it is that you're walking through. And something I really want listeners to learn when they do any type of spiritual work or energy work and, and we're working with what we're calling the imagination is if you feel like you're thinking about it and you're, you're kind of coming up with what you want the story to be the way you normally think that's wrong. But if you let yourself just feel into it and let things flow to you and ideas flow to you, that's how you know it's real. That's the best way for me to differentiate that, right? And yes, exactly, exactly. And with the snake for me, I, you know, I didn't want a snake. So right there, I was like, I don't think I'm imagining this because I would have picked a cuter animal. But you know, <laughs> I, I got the snake and then I asked the snake when it came to me in this journey, what are you here to teach me? And I'll never forget the snake said, I'm here to teach you how to deal with death and the fear of death and fear in general, but mainly fear of death, which has been huge for me with my mediumship work, of course. But I wouldn't have felt those on my own. And that's a, a reason why I feel like it's you have to just trust what comes to you and not ever stop it and stop your flow of oh my gosh, here I go, just imagining, or it's not working, it's not working, I'm forcing it. There's been times where I do this work a ton, right? And there's been times when I'm sitting there, we're doing a journey, and I'm like, this isn't working. And then I go, stop. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here, right? And then you just sit there, and you wait, and then it comes. So it's also yes. so much about not forcing, which so much of energy work is not about forcing. And one of my episodes in my podcast was about trust and flow for that reason. But I just want people to really understand how this comes to you and what it means. And you ask the animal or you ask whatever, you know, symbol that comes up when you do a journey. Well, why are you here? What do you want to show me? And that's what you walk us through in a journey, Joy. You know, you'll say, okay, so you see this. What is it trying to show you? Ask it why it's here. And you have conversations with what appears for you. Yes. Uh, you know, the thing is, is that, we, are, as humans, we're very limited in our point of reference because we really, um, we're, we're looking through lenses of already of collective, environmental, um, family belief systems. And they really, you know, imagine a window, they really kind of fog up. So if you're trying to do everything at that level and you're not asking those and you're, you're asking, you're not or you're asking yes or no questions, or you're resisting, nothing's going to come to you because there is a block. So that's part of the shamanic practice is sitting in a place of sacredness and just receiving mm -hmm. and not judging. And a lot of times people, they won't even get it. And I say, don't focus on it. Don't try to think about it because it will be revealed to you. And, and that's another thing that's really beautiful. Like you, it was revealed to you how you can work with it and, and what it's going to show you because you wouldn't have thought of that on your own because it wasn't in your frame of reference. Right. Right. So just to, just to shift it, since we're going to be running out of time soon, I can talk to you about this forever. And I actually talk to you about crystal and consciousness in a completely different episode. Actually, I was hoping that we could do it in this one, but I think I want to hear way more about that. So we'll bring you back on, but can you just tell the listeners what kind of 
issues people can see a shamanic practitioner to help them with? I mean, you went into that just with saying how you met a shaman through it being your therapist, which is awesome. But can you can you tell people what kind of problems you've seen people come to you with that you've been able to help with through shamanic yeah. work? Yeah, I think ideally, um, and, and shamanic work isn't for everybody. I've had clients who come to me and I, I'll say, you know, I can't help you at this time. Um, it, belief and intention is really important. So if you think that this is all just, you know, you're not, you don't have an opening to it. There's nothing that an energy healer or shamanic um, healer, uh, energy shamanic practitioner can do for you because there's a block that we always have to have this opening where you're open to receive. So that's kind of one thing. The best clients for me, um, and I think, are those who have been struggling. You know, they they have a positive attitude. They're trying to make these shifts in their life. And something, it's like no matter what they're doing, similar to how I was when I first discovered it, it's not working. And that's where you can go and you can see an energy healer. And I'm going to tell you, a few energy practices (laughs) will shift your life after work, you know, years and years of talk therapy when nothing's happening. Because talk therapy is still at the level of the mental, little, you know, emotional mind. With shamanic energy healing or any kind of energy healing, we get to the root of what causes it. And this is a beautiful thing that I want to kind of share. When you step into non-ordinary reality, you can, what we say, we can move backwards and forwards in time. So we can kind of go to that place where it started. And it's always usually some kind of misunderstanding or belief um, Mm -hmm. that was started when you were young. And we go there and we start to change the energy of it. And then that bubbles up to the surface. And then you might have this like, oh, my gosh, you know, like like a really good example is, is for me. I kind of realized that I was carrying around subconsciously my mother's beliefs. Right. And when I realized that and I said, whoa, you know, we did the energy work and that was the information that came to my mind. And as soon as I thought, I'm not doing this anymore, everything shifted big time. Right. But I had to do the energy work first for all of that to bubble up so that my mind understood it. So we do the energy for energy work first. The understanding comes later. Right, right. And I feel like it's so important for people to give energy work a chance. Like you're saying, you know, if you're not open to it, you know, don't just, if if you feel like you don't get it or this stuff seems like it's really out there for you, all I'm saying is start small, you know? Yes. I always tell people when they first come to me, you know, I, first of all, I'm lucky because people come to me who are already believers because I don't know what I can do from that point of trying to get someone to believe in. I guess I'm a little bit lucky because between mediumship and psychic work, I can kind of make someone a believer because I know things I shouldn't know. But right. for, for anyone who's doing energy work within their body in the shift, for example, it's tough because, you know, I'll do energy. I'm going to call my husband out. I'll do energy work on my husband sometimes when I found that he's like, you know, getting a little overly stressed out or he's not in a great place. And I will see within hours how he's acting totally different and he's so much better. And I'll be like, Hey babe, how do you feel right now? Like, did that work? And it's like, to this day, he's still like, "Mm, I don't know. And it's so funny. (laughs) I swear to God, he's like the world's worst publicist for me ever. But you know, it's like, 
it's, it's incredible because I see the shift and I know the difference. And if you look too much in yourself and expect energy work to be like, you're a whole new person three hours later, you're not going to find it because you're looking for something so unrealistic, right? It's absolutely right. It's a peeling away of layers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you too, I'll have, I've had clients who they, every time they believe in it, they come and I do the energy work on them, but then they don't take that out into their everyday worlds. There's an integration. You get the understanding, but we're, we still, we're still humans. We still live in a world of action. And so you, you have to take action to make some changes because right. if you don't, then you sort of slide back and then that energy work that you did just kind of goes back to where it was because you didn't take the action. And so that it, it does go hand in hand. So this is a beautiful thing. And I'm kind of glad I got to this point because we do the energy work first, but then we have the ability to shift our perceptions. Like I shifted my belief and then take action in our everyday life through a different way of thinking yes. or maybe setting a boundary, you know, whatever it may be. Integration and, is everything. And that's, that's something a lot of people don't do. They just assume that, oh, okay, great. You did all the work for me. So now I should just go on in my day and everything should be perfect. And it's like, no, you need to now take action from here. Yes. And, and I've seen that too. I've seen people go to energy healers and then the energy healers do the work, but they don't always support their client after. And I, this, I don't mean this to be a dig at other energy healers, but this is one thing that when I started my practice, that's why I became a coach because I wanted to be able to support them on all levels of their being, the energetic, the mental mind, and then taking the action steps because yeah. that's what I—that's what I needed. So you know, we always kind of do what we what we do what we need for ourselves. We also do for others because that's what worked for me. Right, and, right. and that's important as well. Um, you know, we are these multi-dimensional people, so we have our. We, we take action, we have our mind and our emotions, we can't, you know, our egos, they're never going to die, <laughs> our egos will, will die with us, so we better make friends with our egos, we better make friends with our shadows, and we better learn to work with them, and using energy work really helps us bring it all together in this kind of compass, this sort of, uh, you know, circular way of being that we're multidimensional. Right. Well, I think that, oh, Joy, I have got to bring you back on. There are so many more things I want to do with this. I, I want to keep things somewhat fundamental for a lot of the big yeah. beginners. And I know that we have people in our circle, in our shamanic circle, that are going to listen to this, and it'll be fun to get their feedback. But, um, you know, let's, let's dive in into another episode yeah. because I feel like we're going to have so much more we can really explore. I do want to ask you if you can just quickly share maybe an example of an easy fire ceremony that you could, you're really great with fire ceremony. <laughs> so something that yes. someone can do, can you give listeners an idea of how they can do some shamanic healing work at home with the use of fire? And we'll end it with that. Yes, absolutely. Cause actually I was just thinking, Oh, I'd like to share a couple of little tips. Cause there's yeah. a, a few easy things. Um, before I get to the fire ceremony, there's one thing that I do want to share. Okay. Um, and this is a really, uh, I still, this is a practice I give to my clients all the time. Um, so as a shamanic practice, we work a lot with the natural world and 
the beautiful thing about the natural world is it's ever-changing. Um, it has powerful energy. That's why people want to get out to the nature, they, out in nature. They want to go on walks. Um, so what I'm going to invite our, the listeners to do is if they're experiencing something in their life that's really not working for them, whether it's a relationship with a loved one um, or even like the, uh, the situation going on now with the global um, thing, don't go to your friend and complain <laughs> because what you do is you sort of dive into the story, pick up a rock and carry that rock around with you. Make it small enough to fit in your hand. Sit outside with the rock. That rock is going is never going to argue back to you. It's never going to try to change your mind. It's going to listen. It's going to be your sacred listener. You can yell, scream, cry, swear at that rock. You And then what you're doing is you're bringing up all of these emotions that we usually never want to dump on our friends or anything. When we go to talk to them, we filter ourselves, either consciously or unconsciously. So you pick up that rock and you just keep talking to that rock and crying and screaming and you blow into that rock. And as you're blowing into that, the energy of that experience of what you're feeling, of what you're going through is being transferred into the rock. So you're no longer holding that in your luminous energy field. You're no longer holding that in your mind. And you just keep doing that. Until you feel like you've exhausted it. So do it for a week or so or just, you know, spend a couple hours with it and then go out and bury that rock in the ground. And when you bury it, know that the Mother Earth, Pachamama and Quechua, the Mother Earth is going to take all of that heavy energy and she's going to transmute that. She's, you know, and that's what she does. She takes our stuff and she transmutes it. Just like she takes our oxygen and makes oxygen. You know, uh, I always love that saying that Pachamama likes our, you know, shit, excuse my language, like manure, <laughs> like manure because it fertilizes her. It right. feeds her. So we give it to Pachamama, our mother earth, and she holds those burdens for them. So we don't have to. So do that. And I guarantee you, and you can have five different rocks going at one time or one rock for everything because we all have our troubles. And I guarantee you, you're going to feel a little lighter and you might have a little bit more clarity to see things from a different perspective. Now, let's move to fire ceremonies. So fire ceremonies are beautiful because they are the fastest way of transforming things. Um, the easiest thing to do, you can do a fire like in your barbecue with pieces of wood or whatever. But you can also do what we call salt fire. So you can have like some Epsom salt and alcohol, although I guess alcohol is a little rare these days, that 97% proof alcohol. Um, but you pour that into the salt and the salt's the base and then the alcohol burns. So it doesn't have to be, be a big elaborate thing. But you want to set the intention. You want to just see yourself in that bubble of light that you're surrounded by all of the elementals of the natural world. You've got Mother Earth beneath you and you've got the heavens and um, source, creator, you know, that which is referred to by a thousand names, but yet a nameable above you and around you. Write your story on a tiny little piece of paper what you want to shift or blow it into a leaf, a dry leaf, or even a wooden match. So you blow the energy of what you're wanting to get rid of. You don't have to think about it, but if you feel it, you know, you feel the sadness, you feel the hurt, you blow that into something that's going to burn. 
And then you take another deep breath and you blow in what you want. What do you want to replace that sadness, that grief, that, you know, anxiety with? You want to replace it with peace? Do you do you need um, something to help you out? You know, uh, some unexpected form of income or resolve. So feel what that might feel like. Feel that sense of peace, that sense of receiving and blow that into that. So we have what we call the death era, what you're getting rid of, the life era, what you want to bring into your life. And then you light your fire and you throw that into the fire. Your prayers are going to go up in the smoke. And you just know that they're going to be answered. And the thing that I love about fire ceremonies is if you are in a place of anxiety and you cannot think straight, a fire ceremony, you don't need to think. You just do it and it helps to release that fight or flight that's in the ba- stuck in the base of your spine, that anxiety. And then you start to have more clarity so that you can say, ah, you know, this is the action that I can take that's going to bring me what I want. So, um, but also, too, for your listeners, they have them, they can reach out to me. I have, like, uh, PDFs I can send them on how to do this. Uh, it's a super simple way of shifting, and it, it's a really great way of an introduction into the energy work and being um, a creator in their lives. Well, that's a good leeway to where I was going to go next. How can people find you online and on social media, Joy? <laughs> so um, I do have a website. It's Joy Brew, J-O-Y-B-R-U-G-H. Not to be confused with Dr. Brew Joy, but um, <laughs> shameless, shamelessly, I'm okay with that because he's a powerful um, healer as well. Um so they can visit me on my website at joybrew.com. I'm also on Facebook. It's Joyful Living with Joy. Um, although <laughs> I might, I, I'm not the best at social media, unfortunately. Um, but if they, if they go to my website, uh, joybrugh.com, joybrew.com, um, you can uh, find out more about me. I also have a great book. It's called uh, The Four Perceptions. It's a really wonderful book that sort of takes these four directions that I was talking about um, into a modern day way when we're looking, when we're living our lives through the physical, the mental, our soul self, and then our creative self. And how do we shift, you know, how do we move through these things on a daily basis to take them from the literal and physical to the soul and the creator? So uh, they're welcome to have that book when they go to my website. And then um, they can reach out to me for anything as far as fire ceremonies or stones. Um, I'm a really like one-on-one type person. Um, And then also every month through um, my Shamanic Ways and Wisdoms meetup group, I do a, on the first Tuesdays of every month, and it's been Zoom, we're doing it via Zoom now because of what's going on. I do a group, a kind of a, talking group and we chat a little bit. I try to share a little wisdom um, that's practical to people. And then we do some kind of a healing journey or uh, just some way to fill our cup back up so that we can start the month a little fresher and a little bit um, lighter. Perfect. Well, you heard it from Joy, where to find her and reach out. 
Thank you so much, Joy. I really appreciate your time and everything you've done for me. In general, uh, you're a dear friend, and I love you very much. And thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you to you. You are a beautiful light as well. And thanks to all the listeners for listening. I am so honored. Bye, Joy. Bye. I really hope you enjoyed the interview with Joy. It was so fun to chat with her about shamanism. I hope we opened your minds up to what it's like a little bit, spirit animals, and just how you can do some practices on your own. There's so many different ways to work with energy, and that's something I really look forward to sharing with you. And if shamanism is something that you're interested in, I really suggest you look into it further. It's truly a life-changing experience when it's something that's right for you. I also have so much else that I want to share about shamanism that I'm going to break this episode into two parts. So I hope you tune in to the next episode. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you like what you heard, please take a moment to subscribe and rate and review it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'd really appreciate that. You can also find me on Instagram at Healing with Mona and visit my website at www.consciousheelingco.com and send me a message there if you want to work with me one-on-one. Until next time, this is Mona Loring signing off and sending you all the good vibes.